Good morning, everyone, and happy Easter. Welcome, everyone, here in our Crossroads campus. And if you're joining us online, there's nowhere I'd rather be than celebrating the resurrection of Jesus right here together with all of you. And this is one of the happiest Easter's I've had because our church has been voyaging through the Gospel of Matthew for 40 days. We've been reading in Matthew. We've been studying the most significant passages in Matthew. And then on Friday night, Good Friday, many of us gathered here in this room for Good Friday worship service. And we took a long, careful look at the journey that Jesus took to the cross. And we left here not happy, but sad. And many tears were shed in this room. But there was a warmth in our hearts. And there was certainly hope, because we know that Matthew 27 is not the end of the story. Matthew 28, verse 1. Dawn was breaking on the first day of the week. The Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had come to look at the tomb, when suddenly there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. He came to the stone, rolled it away, and sat on top of it. Looking at him was like looking at lightning, and his clothes were white like snow. The guards trembled with terror at him and became like corpses themselves. Don't be afraid, said the angel to the women. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised as he said he would be. Come and see the place where he was lying. And then go at once and tell his disciples that he's been raised from the dead and that he's going on ahead of you to Galilee. That's where you'll see him. There, I've told you. The women scurried off quickly away from the tomb in a mixture of terror and great delight and went to find his disciples. Suddenly, there was Jesus himself. He met them and said, greetings. They came up to him and took hold of his feet, prostrating themselves in front of him. Don't be afraid, said Jesus to them. Go and tell my brothers that I'm going off to Galilee. Tell them they'll see me there. What a moment. That's one of those things you would never forget. There are moments like these. My daughter and my son-in-law were in Paris last week when Notre Dame was burning. They'll never forget where they were, what they were doing. We have that kind of memory about any kind of catastrophe. And we also remember very clearly exactly where we were and who we were with when someone, something really, really good happens to us. My grandma told a story about receiving a phone call one day. And the person on the other end of the line told her that she and my grandpa had received a farm grant. It was a special opportunity to purchase a farm in their same area where they had been renting. And they bought the farm. And they were just young parents who were starting out. They had had their hearts set on that, and they got it. And they knew that a whole new world was opening up in front of them. Their lives would be a whole lot better. Well, something more dramatic happened to Mary Magdalene at the tomb on Easter morning. She'd just come to visit the, the grave of a friend. She was an ordinary mourner, probably looking for some peace and quiet. But peace and quiet is the last thing that she got. Try an earthquake and an angel and armed guards faint in front of her. And then this shocking message that her friend Jesus, her dead friend, had come back to life and he'd run off down the road. Then they go off down the road in search of the disciples and Jesus. And he doubles back and meets them face to face. It's amazing. Shocking. There's more drama in Matthew's version than the other three gospels. But the point is the same. God is doing something. 
It's the action of God. What's happening is that God is moving. And what God's doing is more than a miracle, and it's more than a display of power, and it's more than a favor to Jesus. What God's doing is starting something new. God's starting the new world that everyone has been waiting for. And in the new world that was opening up before Mary's eyes, there was new power. And in this new world, all God's purposes would be fulfilled. And all the disciples will meet the risen Christ. And when they do, they will cross over a divide into a whole new life. This is the moment in time where everything that Jesus taught and the prophets predicted would begin to come true in any person who was willing. The event changed the world forever. We all pay homage. Everyone in the world pays homage to the resurrection every time we reference a calendar. All the time in all nations is divided between the days before this moment and the days after. That's the significance of the new beginning that we're celebrating today. An author named Daniel Pink wrote a bestseller called When. And the book is about good timing. He talks about when to buy a house or when to quit, when to have a baby, because timing matters. And we're most, most aware of good timing on New Year's Day. And he talks about this in his chapter on the power of new beginnings. He says that on New Year's Day, you're just filled with this great energy that you can do anything and that the resolutions and ideas you have are going to come true in you in the next year. A new mother feels the power of a great beginning after a natural childbirth. After a natural childbirth, when the hormone cocktail kicks in, a new mom is fearless and she is high and you better not mess with this mama. Well, Daniel Pink points out numerous beginnings like that that we all experience over and over again, like Mondays and birthdays and springtime, morning time. If you're an owl, it's nighttime. And I am a firm believer that this timing is not only rooted in earth science and biology and physics, but something truly supernatural is happening. There's a spiritual component here. God is blessing and refreshing and re-energizing us at the beginning of certain things in a very special and powerful way. Oh, the power of new. By the way, you all look great this weekend. I see a lot of new blouses and dresses and shoes and ties. Easter's all about new. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says a clean slate and fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's Romans 6. And in other words, God's power that raised Jesus from the dead is a big deal. Not only because it raised Jesus, but because it raises you. And I want to talk about three things that this power will rise in you if you are willing this Easter season. The first is new clarity. When you open up your heart to God in a bigger way, you see things differently and more clearly. Something changes. You get a clearer picture of yourself. You get clearer about your relationships. You see your problems differently. You're able to see your past with new eyes. It's like someone wiped the fog from the mirror or lit the light in the room or you got glasses for the very first time. And I've heard this over and over again from people who've opened their life up to God for the very first time. 
A friend of mine did this and he wanted to be baptized, but he told me he had a plan to clear up most of his doubts before he would be baptized because he didn't want to make a spiritual show in front of a bunch of people when he still had doubts. He said, well, I get the, the thought behind that, some good thinking there. And also, I wonder if you ever will be able to get rid of all your doubts. So he made the choice to just go ahead and step out and get baptized. And he said that when he did that, something brand new opened up. It was like new clarity just flooded his life and he was able to see those questions that he had about God in a completely different light. He wasn't even expecting it. New clarity. And new clarity is for everyone. It's not just for new believers. It's for seasoned believers. And we need it. People get stuck or bored or burned out and confused. And there are times in our spiritual lives that God seems to disappear. And that the consolations or, or, and the spiritual experiences and encouragements that we may have been having in our life seem to dry up or they stop happening. The saints called this condition the dark night of the soul. Mother Teresa had this happen to her. It happens. And when it does, it's a dark time. It can be confusing. It can be discouraging. It's uncomfortable. And it's also temporary. It's a sign that you're ready for something new. And God's going to give you new clarity. And all this makes sense if we know Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we all know when we need more light, it feels like this. You're not really sure where you are. You're not really sure where you're going. Or maybe you're getting bumped and bruised. If you're getting banged up in your close relationships or at work or, or in any area of life, you may have felt like your spiritual eyes were plenty good enough. But what if there's more? What if you open up to more of God's light? And what if God gives you fresh clarity? You might be able to see the events of your life in a different way and have more confidence about where you're going, who you are, where you are. And it's healthy to want that kind of clarity in life. It's healthy to want a certain amount of life success, to be able to manage our stress in a reasonable kind of way to have a supportive family or a friend group, to know that your career is meaningful and that it's a fit for who you are. Maybe not perfect, but you're healthy, you're growing. And it, what feels like, when it feels like that reasonable longing is not being met in your life, you know you need more clarity. And we don't need to walk around staying confused, asking questions like, why don't my plans work out? When's this relationship going to improve? Why can't I seem to get that work-life balance? When am I going to know my purpose? I don't think I've found my thing yet. Those feelings are normal. They're natural, and they're also an important clue that it's time for some clarity. God created you not for confusion, but for clarity, and it may be time for a spiritual breakthrough. One of the greatest gifts you can get in life is the ability to see better. Jesus said that if the eye is clear, the whole body or the whole life is filled with light. Here's another blessing. It's new confidence can rise up in you. I admire confidence in people. I know pastors who have a way of, of communicating God's message so that people are moved to action. Lives are transformed and entire communities change. 
I love to see athletes when they're in the zone and winning. Tiger Woods is at it again, isn't he? I know people personally who are extraordinary. Some musicians, some scholars, and artists. They're naturals. And when they're in the zone, they almost never falter. They just have it. You just know they do. There's no question. But still in another area of their life, they may feel unconfident, have that uneasy feeling failure could be around the corner. What's up with that? And what about spiritual confidence? What would it be like to just know that you're safe in God's love and power? What kind of freedom would that bring to all of your days? I've been a pastor now for almost 30 years, and I've talked to thousands of people, and I see one thing clearly, that everyone is covering up some kind of insecurity. The most self-confident person you know has fear and worry and self-doubt, and they're hiding some of it. Regardless of the outside image, all people deal with insecurity because all of us tend to put our confidence in the wrong things. We put our confidence in things like accomplishments, but then there's always a limit to what I can do. And I always need more than I can achieve comfortably. And what about money and possessions? That's a place to put security and it can bring some, but keeping those things Getting them and keeping them, it's exhausting. And what about our appearance? Is that a good place to put your confidence? I remember that just about the time my skin cleared up, my hair started turning gray. In 1988, I looked pretty good for about three months. I remember a time I was walking, hiking with a woman and this woman is a monster. She's 20 years older than me and she is powering seven miles straight uphill at altitude, doesn't even want to stop. I said, how can you do this? Don't you ever rest? How can you be so strong? She said, hiking is my thing. This is what I do. I walk up hills. It's the only thing I know of that can keep one's butt where it belongs. (laughs) I did not walk in front of her for the rest of the hike. (laughs) And I don't think she was talking about the altitude of Long's Peak. She was talking about something else. But the truth is, even with pearly whites and buns of steel and $150 highlights and great clothes, our confidence won't last for very long. If we look for it in our accomplishments and our money and our looks, the source of real confidence is God. And not just God out there, but God in you. So how do we get that? And I wish I had time to talk us through the 20 or 30 different things I noticed in scripture when I was studying for this about how God produces confidence in us. And I boiled it down to four words. I'll give you four words this Easter Sunday for confidence. The first word is forgiveness. And the verse that goes with that is Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The number one killer of confidence is guilt and shame. I'm afraid my sins will find me out. I'm afraid my past will come back around with consequences. I did something to someone else I shouldn't have done. The things I should be doing for others I'm not getting around to, I have guilt. Or maybe someone has said something to me, about me, that's kind of low and not true, but close enough to the truth that it captures my attention and years and years later, Anybody else gets anywhere near that subject with me, it's going to trigger a lot of pain. 
fear of consequences, shame that triggers negative emotions. They create a prison of insecurity. And this condition is exactly what forgiveness is for. This world and your life do not work without forgiveness. Forgiveness is God's gift. God has a fresh start for you, a clean slate, a clear conscience, and a life that's free from condemnation. And we access this freedom when we stop hiding and when we stop doing things to other people that cause them to hide. In other words, we stop hiding and we confess our sins. And Paul says, if we confess our sins, God's faithful and will forgive us and set us right. And then we do like Jesus said to do, and we pay that favor forward. Forgive us our sins, Lord, as we have sinned, and as we also forgive those who've sinned against us. And this applies to everyone and everything that might come against you in life. No exceptions. It's grace coming and grace going, and that's what brings confidence, forgiveness. Second word is trust. I feel confident when I can trust that God's working in me and by me and through me. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God works for the good. And we need it because life is filled with problems. Who has a problem? Raise your hand if you have at least one problem you can think of. If your hand isn't up, do you know where you can find one? Problems are everywhere. Thank God there is more power than what's in this room alone and more power in our lives than fate. The power is God's goodness working in everything. Now, not all that happens to me is good and not all that happens is caused by God. But there's a big principle of resurrection that we must understand in life and that's that things go wrong. Things get old, they go bad, Stuff rots, death happens, some good and necessary deaths happen, and some really awful deaths happen. But God is with us in every loss. God's shielding us and protecting us when we don't even know about it, healing and restoring, always bringing good out of bad, new from the old, and everything God does is good. And you can trust that, and you can let God work. So are you talking to God about your problems and are you trying to trust? Or are you trying to work everything out in your own little limited resources? If you're overly independent or if you're overly independent from other people or even overly independent from God and even from other people, you're gonna have more insecurity in life. Trust brings confidence. And so does strength. I'm most confident when I feel strong. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if we're tired, it might be less about our load or pace and more about how we're carrying ourselves. Because you were not created to operate on physical and mental energy alone. Although it is astounding how strong and smart you are. You were also created as a spiritual being And so if you try to live out your days without the spiritual strength that comes from Christ, you'll run out of steam. And I admire strong people, successful and talented. I find that most of you have an inner life that's connected to God. And you have values 
that God has inspired. And you have spiritual practices. And that's what makes you strong. But I've also noticed that every once in a while, someone will beat the system. (laughs) And they'll become very successful. And that spiritual strength isn't there. They're a model of self-sufficiency. And when this happens, we usually see someone self-destruct. I'm thinking of an author that I admire, and if I could ask for anyone's abilities, I'd ask for his. This person was talented, disciplined, prolific, influential, and creative. His work is beautiful, and it reflects the mind of God. But he fueled his life with alcohol and tobacco and destructive relationships, and one day he took his own life. And some of his last words were, my life is going so fast and I'm not really living it. And he also said this, it's tough business being human. That's true, isn't it? Life is difficult. It's difficult without God's strength. It's even difficult with God's strength. And some of you may feel like giving up right now. Some of you are feeling anxious You're feeling helpless and not strong. Some people are dreaming of escaping the trap of your job or the trap of your marriage or the the trap of your parenting. And some teens here in the room dream of escaping the parent trap. And some of us are bone weary from a health crisis. And God's word to us this Easter day is don't give up. I will help you. I will give you new strength. Well, I'll mention one more source of confidence, and that source is purpose. And I mean life purpose. And when I say life purpose, I mean understanding and being connected to the meaning of your life and also having the belief and the knowledge that this life is not temporary, it's everlasting. It will continue. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. I would love for that to be a refrigerator verse for all of us, that you would post it on your refrigerator today, April 21st, Easter Sunday, and you would leave it there until Midsummer's Day. That's June 21st. That would be a whole season of focusing on this verse. I want us to say it together. So if we can put it on the screen, I'll have you say it with me. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given brand new life and everything to live for, including a future, and the future starts now. I think we're supposed to love life and be confident that what we love will last forever. C.S. Lewis taught about this. He said that if you have a longing or a hope in your heart, it's evidence or proof that the thing you long for exists. Like the psalmist said that God set eternity in our hearts. And so people who hope for this are not fools. And nothing produces confidence like knowing your life matters and that you and your loved ones are safe with God forever. And only God can give you this confidence. Other people can't give it to you and you can't give it to yourself. And Easter would be a very, very good time to turn a spiritual corner and surrender your life to God and be flooded with new confidence. And then the most powerful thing will happen to you. You'll have a new connection to God. Spiritually alive people are not afraid of God. 
And they're also not independent from God. They know God like a friend. Romans 5.11 says, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And friendship with God is a bit of an odd concept. You may even be thinking, I don't know if I need that. I have friends. And we go to the movies, we listen to each other's stories, we work on each other's cars, we help each other move. I, I go brew hopping with my friends. I don't know if I wanna do that with God. I understand, I don't know if I wanna do that with God either. But seriously, you do wanna be friends with God, you do because there's another life waiting for you when you have that. It's one where you'll see things more clearly and you will feel confident and free most of the time. And you'll feel important and accepted in almost every setting because your source of wisdom and strength is supernatural. Your source is God. And you'll no longer just breathe. You'll feel the air in your lungs as joy and gratitude and your life will be consciously filled with God's power and you'll be aware of it. And you'll feel loved even when you're being let down or mistreated by someone or some group and the government will no longer have the power to make you mad. That's not quite true. But best of all, the natural loves of your life will become supernatural loves. You know those natural loves. It's things like a hobby that gives you joy and satisfaction. It's, it's something like a pet that you cherish, a child you would give your life for, your soulmate. It's all the places you love, like the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and the family homes. Life's most precious gifts will become even more precious because now they will be more than natural joys and pleasures. They're divine gifts and they remind you of God's goodness and you know this goodness will last forever. And if we miss this quality of life, we miss life. Let's not, let's not miss it. We're not here to grow up and go to school and make money, pay bills and die. We're here because God created us to love and be loved. God made you and was at your birth. God cheered alongside your parents when you spoke your first word. God cried with you when you skinned your knees, crashed your bike, or lost a friend. And God is near when you get sick. And when you get really sick, God is especially near. And when you lose a loved one, when, it's, when you die, when any death comes, God is right there breathing with you, breathing with you and whispering in the ears of your heart, that this is not the end. Your life is not over. Death isn't the end, it's a stage of life. And we're in this boat together. And I'm gonna give you safe passage from this place into the next. And what I'm describing is a relationship. It is not a religion. And Jesus Christ is the door. The way in is his way of life it's his way of love and self-sacrifice that led him to the cross. And it's his power to make all things new. And we enter in through the door when we open up our heart and say yes to God and step in. So how about it?
Would you like new clarity and confidence and connection to God who is your source this Easter? Easter's not just a holiday. It's an opening into a new world. And I know that all those things will increase in your life as you say yes to God. Yes is a humble word. It just means I'm willing. And the most powerful spiritual practice is willingness. There's a prayer of willingness. It's printed in your program on the back. And I want to read it for us. I'll read it aloud. Dear God, I want new life today. I want new eyes to see things the way you see. I want the confidence that comes from being in your favor. I want a new connection with you. Thank you for your loving sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection and mine. Help me to know your love and to trust you with all my heart. Amen. Let's pray together. Would you join me, bow our heads and close our eyes, and we'll pray. Lord Jesus, who was at creation and who's here in this room right now, we thank you for your presence and your power. And God, you're aware of every problem that might have been brought to mind, every anxiety, every thought. You're aware of all the longings that are stirred up in our hearts at Easter time. And you're aware of all the people we love and cherish the most, the ones we want to be safe and kept in your care. God, we hold all these things out to you, and I pray for you to pour out a tremendous blessing on every person in the room, everyone not in the room that's on our hearts and minds, and that you would give us the desires of our hearts. Whatever that new thing is that we most need or long for, pour it out. And may every person be given the grace to feel and trust in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that prayer of willingness is still on the screens. And we'll give you a moment to pray that sincerely, personally, in your own way. Happy Easter, and God bless you.